Welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church family here in Yankton, South Dakota. Our episode today is from our series, Awesome Relationships. We all desire to have awesome relationships in our lives, yet they can be difficult to find. In this series, we're going to look at several key relationships in our lives and how, with God's help, we can make them awesome relationships. We hope you enjoy. Got your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and turn to the book of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah. And if you don't already have a Bible, I highly encourage the Uversion app. It's a free app available on any smartphone or any device. You can download it for free. And if you're watching online right now, um, live, you can go right above that little button that says Bible and you can click on it and we've got it for you right there as well. We've been in a series called Awesome Relationships. And the reason why this is so important is because relationships can be so difficult because people can be so difficult. We struggle with relationships and God doesn't want us to struggle with relationships. God wants us to have awesome relationships. And if you're tuning in for the first time and you haven't been with us, I would encourage you to go back to our website and watch our first two weeks. You can also go to our YouTube channel and we have it available on our podcast as well. The first week we talked about awesome marriages And last week, we talked about having awesome friendships. Next week is already going to be Mother's Day, church. Isn't that crazy? And we're going to talk about what it means to be an awesome mom. But before we talk about today, we're going to look at our series memory verse. In the last two weeks, we've been saying this verse. I hope you're learning it because I want you to remember it. I want you to memorize it. So let's go ahead and say it together out loud. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Proverbs 17, 17. Today, we're going to look at families. How many of you agree there's no such thing as the perfect family? All right. That's true. But we need to fight for an awesome family. Notice I didn't say we need to fight with our family. Okay. That happens all by itself. We don't need to work on that. We don't need any help with fighting with our families. But God wants us to fight for an awesome family. In today's world, Families can look like a lot of different ways. There can maybe be a single parent family. There can maybe be a grandparent raising a grandchild or helping out with grandkids raising them. Aunts, uncles, foster families, blended families. One of the biggest things that kind of woke this up in my own life is for a season I worked for the Sioux Falls School District as a behavior facilitator. And I would go into schools and I would help them um, with kids who are struggling with behaviors. And I'll never forget uh, sitting down with a little fifth grade girl and she was struggling with, with her teacher, having some problems in class. And I made this statement to her and I said, now what if I called your mom and dad? Would they be very happy with you? And I'll never forget the look on her face. And she goes, wow. She goes, there's no way you could call my dad. I don't even know where my dad is. Ugh. Ouch. That hurt. Kind of explained a lot of the problems though, huh? Here's my point in saying that. Families can look a lot different. So one of the things that I learned in that situation was I never said that again. I I would ask the question, who do you live with at home? And that's what I'm asking you right now. Who do you live with at home? When you think of family, what does that look like for you? And no matter what that looks like, God's desire is for you to have an awesome family. Now, if you're watching today and you think, well, I don't have anybody, Pastor. I'm all by myself. No, you're not. You are part of God's family, and that's our church. And everything we're going to talk about today not only applies to your family, whatever that looks like for you, it also applies to our Celebrate Church family as well. So Nehemiah is one of the great heroes of the Old Testament. And just to set it up for you before we get into the text, um, 
The nation of Israel was established by God. It was God's chosen nation. It was founded under God to follow God's law. Sound familiar? <laughs> and God would try over and over again to say, listen, this is the, what you need to do. This is how you should exist, how you should function in your relationships as a nation. And if you do this, things will go well. And if you don't do this, things won't go well. And more often than not, it was the other case. It, they weren't listening to God, and their relationships wouldn't go well, and there would be problems. Sound familiar? So after a, a long time of period with that, God finally said, as a loving parent, he said, enough. He said, you're not listening to me. You're not getting it. I still love you, but I am, I'm a holy God. And so right now, I'm going to pause your nation. I'm going to take your nation into a season of exile where you can understand that I am God, and there's consequences for sin. Sound familiar? <laughs> that period lasted 70 years, and Nehemiah was a leader at the end of that. After that 70 years, because God is a faithful God, God said, you're going to go back into the land. You're going to kind of reintegrate. You're going to start up again with life, with your new normal. And that is where Nehemiah existed in. Nehemiah was actually part of the government that oversaw this nation. They were still under a foreign government, but they were allowed to go back and rebuild and live in that nation. Nehemiah was a faithful servant of God, and because of that, he had risen in ranks to one of the highest ranking officials in that nation. Nehemiah had family who had moved back to Israel, into Jerusalem, and they were trying to resettle there. And one day, Nehemiah's brother came back from Jerusalem to the palace to visit Nehemiah. Now, how many of you know that um, siblings, it doesn't really matter where you rank or how high you get, they still see you as your sibling, right? You know, it's like, yeah, Nehemiah, you might be the, you know, the top leader of the nation, but uh, I still remember the little boy who used to pick his boogers and eat them, right? Okay, <laughs> how many of you have siblings like that? <laughs> if my siblings are watching, I love you, <laughs> right? Nehemiah asked him a question. He said, how are things going? And this is Nehemiah's response in verse three. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the providence and are in great trouble and distress. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And church, when Nehemiah heard this, the Bible said he was just absolutely broken because he realized the condition of his family was not good. When was the last time God broke your heart for the condition of your family? And I don't just mean your immediate family. What about the conditions of families in our country? When was the last time God broke your heart for that? When was the last time God broke your heart for the condition of the family of our church? Not just our church here, but also the big church as well. See, I believe that these lessons that Nehemiah learned about having an awesome family are more relevant now than they have ever been. And Nehemiah said, I'm going to do something about that. So what he did there's five things that Nehemiah did to have an awesome family. I want to unpack these for you as well. Here's the first thing that Nehemiah did. Nehemiah examined his family. Examine your family. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11. So I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others, examining the wall of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and the gates which had been destroyed by fire. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. You know, I find it interesting that Nehemiah didn't set out to fix anything. <laughs> he set out to examine it first. 
One of the problems I think we run into is because we automatically, when we see something, we want to try to fix it right away. And a lot of times what God calls us to do is what Nehemiah did. He took three days and he just sat back and he watched and he observed. We need to examine our families. I've heard it said before, the unexamined life is not worth living. If you want to have an awesome family, you need to examine the condition of it and see what your family needs to do. One of the interesting things about getting married is that you see your family in a whole new way. Now, my parents and my in-laws are watching right now. I love you guys. So I'm not talking about you guys. You guys are perfect. There was no problems at all when Elaine and I got married. But I've heard from other people, when they get married, they look at their spouse and they go, your family does what? And to them, it's like totally normal, right? Because this is what I grew up with. This is, of course, what you do, right? To which the spouse would say, no, that's really weird, right? Here's my point in saying that. The closer you get to something, the harder it is to see clearly. If we want to really examine our families, the worst person to do that is the people in the family. Because we can't see those things as clearly as sometimes we think that we do. This is one of the reasons why I highly recommend counseling. I don't understand the stigma people have against going to counseling because if my car was having trouble, I would take it to a mechanic. If my relationships are having problems, I would go to a professional and help with that. It's a great perspective to have a third party looking at to try to help you get better at what you're doing. Now you might say, Pastor, I don't have time for counseling or maybe you can't afford it. That's okay. If you're part of our Yankton family, that's why we have life groups. Guess what? Those are free, all right? And that's why they can help give us a perspective on our family that maybe we don't have. For our Lake Andes families, that's why I would highly encourage you to continue to reach out to Rod and Tylee and myself, that we can grow together and get to know each other and help give us that perspective that we all need to examine our families. Nehemiah spent three days examining the condition of his family in Jerusalem. He saw where the strengths were, but he also saw where the weaknesses are. And again, I'll talk about that. So many times we want to focus on the weaknesses. That's easy to see, right? Where we can improve. But sometimes we miss building on our strengths. It's so important for us to build on our strengths as well as just looking at our weaknesses. Now, I can hear some of you say, okay, pastor, I'll take a look at my family, but here's the problem. I'm not going to like what I find. I don't like the condition of my family. I don't need to look at it. I live it every day. I can see the condition of my family is not in good shape. And if that's you today, I want to give you some, a very encouraging message that Nehemiah says. Look at what Nehemiah says in chapter 4, verse 14. After I look things over, don't miss that church. After I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, here's the message. No matter the condition of your family, do not be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Church, your family is worth the fight. It is worth fighting for, but we need to take the time to examine our family. Here's the second thing that we need to do if we want to have an awesome family. We need to have fun as a family. Fun is one of the most missing ingredients from families today. 
Before COVID-19, I would hear all the time, oh, we're so busy. We have school, we have sporting, we have events, we have concerts. Now, why I, there's a lot of things I don't like about our pandemic and I would never try to make light of it. One of the things that I found really beneficial is all of that stuff is gone now. <laughs> and, and isn't it interesting how our response is, well, now what do we do? Listen, I've heard so many people say, I'm bored. I don't know how to spend my time. Isn't that interesting? What were we running for? See, I would say that we need to spend more time together as a family and we need to have fun together as a family and enjoy it. Take the time to really have fun with each other. But the number one enemy of our fun, the reason why a lot of families don't have fun, if we're being honest, is conflict. Conflict is not fun. And it's really hard to have fun in the midst of conflict. So if we want to have fun as a family, we need to kind of address how we deal with conflict. I mentioned earlier that I spent two years working for the Sioux Falls School District. One of the greatest periods of conflict at a school, at any school you go to, is recess time. You guys remember this, okay? And it's true, there's a lot of conflict that happens at recess, and recess is supposed to be fun. And so I would spend a lot of time my first year dealing with conflicts throughout recess. So at the beginning of my second year, I did something a little bit different. The first two weeks, and I got my principal's blessing to do this, the first two weeks of the school year, I just did structured recess for all the grade levels. I was the least popular person at my school, and not just with the kids. There were some teachers, too, that were kind of rolling their eyes at me. But, but here was my point. If we want to have fun, we've got to learn how to deal with conflict. Because the reason why we don't have fun is because we don't know how to manage that conflict. And what would happen is we would help kids understand that in a kind of a hand-over-hand way, depending on the grade level, it looked different. And those kids that would handle that and understand that would go and have fun. And the ones that would struggle with it, they're not just taking recess away and saying, okay, now you can't go to recess, which caused more problems. What instead what we do is now your recess gets to be with Mr. Todd. And we're going to come together and we're going to play and we're going to learn how to eliminate that conflict together. Because the biggest enemy of fun as a family is conflict. How does your family deal with conflict? If you're not doing a very good job of that, I guarantee you're probably not having fun. Here's the other thing that I would suggest if you want to have fun together as a family. Budget time and finances to have fun as a family. In our household, we have a line in our budget that says family fun. And the only time we can spend that money is if we're doing something together as a family. We have to be intentional about that because if we're not, it won't happen. Now, some of you might say, well, we don't have money to do that, Pastor. Then think about ways that you can do it without spending money. And I'm going to give you one thing that you do. I'm not trying to add more to you. I guarantee you, every one of you already do this every day. All right? And it won't cost you any more money. You ready for this? And it's a time where you guys can have fun together as a family. Nehemiah 5, 17. Furthermore, 150 Jews and officials ate at my table, as well as those who came from the surrounding nations. Now, if you're familiar with this lesson and you've read this before, you might kind of blow through that and not think about that. That's not just a charity meal that Nehemiah was having. It was a time of a family feast together. Here's my point. Make mealtime family fun time. Fellowship and food always go together. And so when you're intentional about that, you have to eat anyway, right? And you don't have to do it every night. Maybe it's two nights a week or whatever it looks for your family. As a family, we're going to come together during mealtime and we're gonna have fun together. We're gonna have conversations. We're gonna put the phones away 
and we're going to have food and fellowship together. Do you know the most important meal of your day is any meal that you can eat together as a family. So that's just one way that you can have fun together as a family. And that's what we need to do if we want to have awesome families. Here's the third thing to have an awesome family. We need to grow together as a family. We need to grow together as a family. Now, I don't just mean our waistline grows, although if you eat a lot together, that might happen as well. You know, so many times I've seen parents, and, and I'm guilty of this too, we want our kids to be successful. And so we kind of ride them, and when they make a mistake or they, they're having trouble learning something, we try to help them so they don't make mistakes. We want to try to avoid mistakes and help you grow so you can learn from that. But sometimes the best growth happens in failure. Do you know that your kids understand that you're not perfect? Did you realize that? <laughs> if you didn't, when they get to be teenagers, they will let you know that you're not perfect, okay? It's okay to teach your kids to fail. And sometimes I think as parents, we, we feel like we have to be perfect and we can't ever fail. The best lesson you can give your kids is, guess what? Daddy screwed up and I'm sorry and I need to grow. And the best thing to do that with is growing spiritually together. I've heard parents say, well, I don't really understand the Bible or God's word, so I don't feel like equipped enough to teach it to my kids. Can I help you with it? Learn it together. Look at what Nehemiah did in chapter 8. All of the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly. He read it aloud from daybreak until noon. Something very interesting happened when Ezra was reading from the law to the people. See, the people realized that there was a festival that God had commanded them to observe every year, and they realized they hadn't been doing it. Have you ever had that happen before, where you're listening to a message, or maybe you're reading in the Bible, or you're in a group, and you realize the Bible says something that you're either not doing, or it says something you are doing that you should stop doing? Ever had that happen before? <laughs> and the natural response when we hear that is to kind of get ashamed kind of get embarrassed. Uh, maybe we start making excuses. Well, I know I should do this, but I da, 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 da. Listen, the people didn't do that at that point. I find this very interesting. When they realized that there was a festival that God had commanded them to do, and they weren't doing it, look at what they did instead. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 17. The whole company that returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. They did what God asked them to do. And look at what the next part, next part says. I think this is so important. From the days of Joshua of Nun until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated like this, and their joy was very great. God's word is supposed to bring joy to our lives. It's not a book, a list of do's and don'ts that we, we need to do to measure up to God's standard. God has given us his law to give us life and to give us joy. And when you find out something about God's word that you're either doing that you need to stop or not doing you need to start, don't feel guilty or ashamed about it. Just do it because God wants to have great joy. And that's what happened in the nation of Israel. Remember what I said, the whole reason why they got sent into exile in the first place is because they weren't doing this. If you want to have an awesome family and have true joy, you need to grow together as a family, just as Nehemiah did with the children of Israel. So you have to examine your family. You need to have fun as a family. 
You need to grow together as a family. Here's the fourth one. You need to protect your family. Protect your family. How many would you agree it's amazing that kids survive childhood? Okay. How many of you were that kid that your parents are like, I'm amazed that they actually made it, all right? <laughs> My generation growing up, this is the one thing that I find here. Remember seatbelts, okay? When I was growing up, we never had seatbelts. We had vehicles that didn't even have seatbelts. Yet, my kids would have no clue what that even is like. Forget about car seats, right? Car seats. How did we survive? But I would say what something interesting happened in this country is we kind of swung the other way. Instead of like, oh, we don't need any of that stuff, we've kind of swung now to being like so overprotective of our kids, right? It's like the mom who told the story. Her three-year-old daughter had stuck out her hand one day and said, mommy, look at the fly that I just killed. <laughs> well, since she was eating a juicy pickle at the time, I thrust her contaminated hand underneath the faucet and washed them with antibacterial soap, killing every single germ. I wiped it clean, and then after sitting her down to finish her pickle, I asked with a touch of awe, sweetheart, how did you kill that fly all by yourself? After taking a big bite of her pickle, she smiled and said, I hit it with my pickle. <laughs> See, no matter how hard you try to protect your kids, there's always going to be dangers. Our world is full of dangers. We're facing it right now with this global pandemic. But there's not there's so much more danger than just COVID-19. There's financial dangers. There's illnesses. There's bullying. There's disabilities, there's accidents. And I want to tell you something as a, your family, you will face threats. There are threats all over us. But the greatest threat that your family is going to face, and church, I don't want you to miss this. The greatest threat that your family is going to face is a spiritual threat. Nehemiah faced the threat with his family. And in chapter 4, verse 16, look at how he handled it. From that day on, half my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Nehemiah understood that there was an enemy that wanted to seek, kill, and destroy, and to take his family, do his family harm, and to take them off the purpose that God had planned for them. Church, I want to tell you this today. There is a spiritual enemy that will want to do the same thing to your family. They want to seek, kill, and destroy. So I want to ask you the question, who's guarding your house? None of us would allow these things to come into our house, but yet, how often do they do through Netflix, YouTube, Things on the TV, other things on the internet. How about this? What about um, gossip? Does that come into your house? Dissension. All of those things can come into our house. Those are enemies that can destroy what God's purpose is for our house. And I want to give you today, I want to give you the greatest weapon you can have to protect your family, and that's prayer. Pray over your kids, pray over your family. And, and a better thing I would say is who's praying over your family? If you're part of Celebrate Family, I want you to know that there are people who pray over your family, pray over a list of names to protect that. If you're part of our Celebrate Yankton family, your life group should be praying over you. One of the things that we like to do as parents is we like to worry about our kids. Did you know that that's sin? Do you know that, that the Bible is very clear that don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer, present your request to God? Prayer is the greatest weapon we have to protect our families. And our families need to be protected, and we need to defend each other. I've heard it said before, you know, I can say whatever I want about my family, but if you say anything bad about my family, I'll punch you in the face, right? How many of you have families like that? Why is that? 
I just find it interesting. Why would you speak negatively about your family? Not only your immediate family, but anyone in your church family as well. See, protecting our family means we don't speak badly about them. Now, does that mean we never address behavior? Absolutely not. If someone in your family is doing something unhealthy, you need to address that. You need to bring that to their attention. But I'm gonna give you something that's very important. Never, ever do that publicly. Always, always correct in private. Never correct in public. When you're in public, we talked about this last week, praise them in public. Think about it this way. Do you like your dirty laundry aired for the world to see? Do you want people to point out your faults in front of other people or directly to you? Now, you might be thinking right now, well, okay, great pastor. I should speak positively about my family. Um, you don't know my family. That doesn't give me much else to say, all right? If that's you, don't look at them right now. No elbows, all right? I'm gonna give you the whatever rule. You ready for this? If you can't think of anything about your family and you're like, I don't know what to do to be positive, to say good things about my family, I'm going to give you the whatever rule. The whatever rule is found in Philippians 4, verse 8. And I want us to say, whenever the word whatever comes, I want you to say that out loud with me. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these such things. Friends, when it comes to protecting your family, you always need to speak well of them, defend them, and pray for them. So we need to examine our family. We want to have fun as a family. We need to grow together as a family. We want to protect your family. And I want to give you the last one. And I'm just going to say this. This is probably the most important one. In fact, if you're going to pick one of the things on this list today to do for your family, I would encourage you to do this last one together. Here's the last one. Serve God together as a family. Church, you've heard me say this all the time. Our lives are not about us. We are designed by God to serve other people. One of the things I find really interesting about the book of Nehemiah is the entire chapter 3 is simply a list of all the families who helped Nehemiah rebuild the wall in Jerusalem. And when you read the Bible, you'll see those areas where there are kind of lists of a lot of people, and a lot of times those are parts we skip through the Bible. I would encourage you this week to go and read all of chapter 3 of the book of Nehemiah and show all of the people who were part of that family who were serving God together. And a couple things that really struck me about that was, number one, Nehemiah knew who deserved the credit. Nehemiah understood that when he was writing this, this is going to be something that was going to be passed down for generations and all the way to us today. And he wanted to preserve the names of all of those people to say, listen, I didn't do this on my own. I needed all these people to help. But here's another thing that I want you to observe from reading chapter 3. Every family decided to work on the section of the wall that was right in front of them. I've heard it asked a lot of times, Pastor, where should I start serving God? How should I serve God? You know where you should serve God? At the section right in front of you. Start with your house. And then once you work on your house, go to the houses right next to you and start rebuilding that. As we start as a country talking about reopening and coming back together, whatever that means, I think this is a beautiful picture. Think about this. House to house, starting with my house and working at the houses around me, continuing to rebuild this country 
one by one, neighbor helping neighbor, neighbor loving neighbor. And church, I believe that's what God wants us to do as a church. As a church, we can lead the way in how we can redo this. And if this, if we do it this way, look at what happens in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 4, verse 6. So we rebuilt the wall until it reached half its height. For all the people worked to catch this church with all their heart. When God's people... <laughs> serve God's way with all their heart and dedication, they can accomplish so many great things. And church, as a family together, we can accomplish so many great things in our communities, in our country, in our world, if we serve God together. But the problem that we will come into is the same problem that Nehemiah faced. And it's going to be the enemy of the serving God and doing the progress that God wants us to do to be, rebuild our families in an awesome way. And here it is, distractions. Distractions will come. You heard me say it before. Before all the pandemic, we were all so busy. We were running on that treadmill, just trying and trying and trying all these things in schools and sporting events and all those things. None of those things are bad. But as we start to reopen our country, guess what? They're all going to come back. And I want us to really take a good, hard look, examine your family and say, okay, what are those things that were helpful and what are those things that we're not? Because if we want to have the best, awesome family that God wants us to have, it's going to be by serving God together. Nehemiah recognized it, and he understood that. And Nehemiah faced a huge distraction. There were some people that were there that really didn't care for Nehemiah. They really didn't like what Nehemiah was doing. And so they decided that they were going to kill him, all right? And, and in order to get it, they couldn't just say, hey, we're going to come in and attack you. Because remember, his family was protecting him. His family was defending him. And so instead what they did was they lied. And they said, hey, Nehemiah, we, we would love to meet with you. We're going to be neighbors. How about you just come down from that wall and come meet with us? We want to meet with you. And we want to, we want to get to know you as well. Now, Nehemiah saw through this. And Nehemiah responded to them in the same way that I want us to do. And, and what Nehemiah says is so powerful, church. And if you've tuned out, I really need you to come back in for this one and understand. When we talk about how we want to have an awesome family, I believe this verse should be a model, not only for our family, but for our church. Nehemiah 6, verse 3. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm doing a great work and cannot come down. I'm doing a great work and cannot come down. Church, if we would adopt that phrase, because the number one thing to have an awesome family is to serve God together, is I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. We give our time to a lot of things that don't matter. And every time we say yes to worldly gains, we say no to God's purpose for our family. So as we come into this season, I'm asking that you really examine your family and to say, how can we serve God together? You know, I really want my child to be on this sports team, but all of the games happen to be on Sunday. You know what your response to that should be? I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. You know, this is a really great opportunity to advance my career, but it's going to really take away all of my time with my family. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. You know, we're really busy and we don't really have time to sit down together as a family and have a meal together. Like you said, Pastor, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. 
I don't really have time to, you know, I'm already homeschooling my kids. I don't have time to sit down with them and do a 45-minute Bible lesson that you guys send out. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Family, what is the great work that God's called you to do? And identify that together as a family and then say, okay, this is who we are. This is what we're going to do. We're going to put this as a priority. When God is put first, when God's purpose and plan is put first as your family and everything else comes from there, you will say yes to the right things and you will say no to the wrong things. And if we do that, church, look at what happens. Look what Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15. So the law was completed on the 25th day of Elud in 52 days. When your motto is, I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down, you will have and accomplish awesome things as a family for God together. God's desire is for you to have an awesome family. But you have to decide, and I have to decide in my heart, that this is a great work, and I am not coming down. And church, if you make that decision, God will honor it. But it starts with us examining our family. We need to really understand what are those things that we need to do. What are our strengths as a family that we can build on? And what are the weaknesses that we need to help out with? We need to have fun as a family. We need to spend time together, intentional time together, having fun. And we need to understand that conflict is the greatest enemy of fun. And how do we regulate that conflict so we can still have fun together? We need to grow together as a family spiritually. Read God's Word together. Study it together learn, fail together, get better every single day. We need to protect our family. What are those guardrails? What are those barriers you need to put in place to protect your family, to protect yourself, to protect your mind? And how can you always speak positively, publicly about your family so you protect their emotions as well? And most importantly, how can you serve God together as a family? Church, we're doing a great work and we cannot come down. We can never sacrifice worldly gains in place of God's purpose because we've been trying to do that and it doesn't work. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the book of Nehemiah. I thank you that he loved his family, God. And I go back to the beginning where you broke his heart. When he heard about the condition of his family, God, it broke his heart. And he decided that he was going to do something about it. God, I pray that right now in our country that we take a look at the condition of our family, not only our, our church family, God, but also our country, and to say, what can we do to live out your purposes, God? How can we see that? How does it start with me? God, I pray that we would have fun together as a family. God, I pray those fellowship times, food and togetherness would grow and, and conflict would go away. We would, we would be quick to deal with conflict so we can move on from it and we can get back to having fun. God, I thank you that we can grow together as a family. I thank you for our Sunday gatherings where we can learn together and learn from your word and, and be exposed to things that we need to start doing or things we need to stop doing that's going to help us get closer to you, Lord. And God, I thank you so much for your protection. I thank you for the gift of prayer that we can pray. We don't need to worry about it, God. We don't need to overprotect, God. We just need to pray. We need to cover in prayer. God, and we need to protect ourselves from our words that we say that can be hurtful and mean. And God, I thank you so much for your call for us as a family to serve together. God, I pray that you would have us start right where we're at, God. Start with my house. Start with my section of the wall. 
and really work on building a strong foundation of you in our lives and how that would spread to our neighbors, God, the people closest to us in our lives, that we could help them as well. And if all of us as a church family would do that, God, we would rebuild this city, this country, this family, God, on your truth and your word. And we can accomplish amazing things. And that our battle cry would be that of Nehemiah. We're doing great work. And we cannot come down. We thank you and we praise you. And we ask all these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. Due to the COVID-19 outbreak, all our gatherings are currently online only. You can join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. on our website, yankton.church. During that time, we offer live chat as well as prayer. We also hold live online meetings the other six days of the week as well. For more details or times, you can email us at hello at yankton.church or you can call or text 605-679-7224. Don't miss our updates on Facebook or YouTube either. You can like or follow us there as well.